Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. I'm Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is really necessary for keto success. Oh, yeah. And strip steak. Strip steak? (laughs) That's a new one. Yeah. And hi, everyone. I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Because we're not doctors, we don't give medical advice. Yeah, we just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and pork belly. Pork belly. We share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. Yay for keto recipes. So let's start podcast number 163, Talking Stress with Dr. Ken Berry. Before we get started with Dr. Berry, Carl, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Right. That's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, enjoy a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. Fat? Fat, 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 fat. That's right. If you're just starting, listen to our Starting Keto show at start.2keto.com. Incidentally, the amazing Siobhan Huggins told me this week that I needed to eat more fat. Wow. And for what reason? My, I got my lipid panel done. Ah. And as a result of that, I kind of went, ah, and went scurrying off to message with my friend Siobhan Hmm. and said, what do I need to do? And she said, you need to eat more altogether and you need to eat more fat. So I'm imagining your HDL was low and your trigs are high? My my trigs were not crazy at all, but they were higher. They were a little bit high and my HDL was the lowest it's ever been. Wow. So that was disappointing. Well, we'll give you some lamb uh, tomorrow. So so I immediately uh, made myself one of my new recipes, which is a chocolate fudge mug cake. Yeah. And ate it and felt better. So uh, I guess this is the what's new with you segment. You can continue on with that story if you like. Or what else is new? Well... I have the big thing this week is that a girlfriend in Washington decided last week that she was moving to Connecticut. (laughs) Wow. In our neck of the woods? Well, initially, she's moving into my house. Oh, no. uh, (laughs) Wow. So uh, she's moving in for a month. She doesn't have anywhere to live here. She doesn't have a job, but she's arriving tomorrow. That's Saturday. And um, she's moving all her stuff, all her furniture and her pets are moving into my basement and she is moving into one of my guest rooms for a month. 
and um, and then she's going to go get a job and find somewhere to live. But That's so exciting. I suddenly to have, yeah, so there's been a lot I've have been having to get uh, ready. So that's been a big thing I've been getting ready for. Then, of course, there's been more recipes. I've been working on more recipes. I'm working on the next cookbook, which is done in terms of recipes and content. I just have to get the thing together. And then with the lovely Kim Howerton getting ready to launch the next round of our Happy Healthy Keto program. Yeah. So super busy week. And, um, but some of it was different because getting ready for, for someone to come stay for a month. Right. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh, what a week. First of all, the Keto Fest Kickstarter ended. We did not reach our goal. However, we got 85% of the way there, so we're going ahead with KetoFest 2019. Woo! Yep, we're not using Eventbrite this year to sell tickets. We're moving to a different platform that Chris Bear told me about. Uh, it's called Ticket Spice. Chris Bear from Keto Chow. We love Chris Bear. Exactly. So Ticket Spice is um, a better platform. And uh, if you go to KetoFest.com right now, you'll be able to buy tickets. Now, if you're a Kickstarter backer, you will not be charged by Kickstarter. You cannot expect your tickets to have come through Kickstarter. So you still have to go to KetoFest.com and order your tickets. Now, another thing I have to mention, which is going to be happy news for everybody, is that we didn't sell out our VIP tickets this year. And that's probably one of the reasons why the Kickstarter didn't reach its goal. And uh, the reason is that we think that the price was too high. Now, I'm a supply and demand guy. If I see demand go up, then the price is going up. So it looks like we found the ceiling for the price of the VIP party. So we're lowering it to what it was last year, from $500 to $400. (gasps) Woohoo! Woohoo! So go to KetoFest.com and uh, get your VIP tickets. There's only like 60 left, I think, as of this recording. So let's do it. And of course, the the real bonus of the VIP party is that you get to hang out with the emeritus dude, Mr. Richard Morris, who's flying here all the way from Australia. That's right. As well as all the speakers and all the demoers and all of the uh, other people that are coming from within the keto industry to support this event. So the VIP yep. party is super cool, apart from the fact that it's at Carl's house on Carl's deck with Carl's food that Carl's making. <laughs> and you too. Well, yes, I'll be there as well. Speaking of things that uh, we make and we eat and we do at my house, we're tomorrow, which was Saturday because we record this on Friday and it comes out on Monday. Tomorrow is another keto mini fest at my house, and I'm doing Moroccan smoked lamb, leg of lamb. Lamb. I love me some lamb. I had lamb chops for dinner last night. So did I. Oh, no, that was the night before, and the night before that also. (laughs) Apparently, we're feeling very lamby in Connecticut. (sighs) I have a lamb chop problem. However, I am going to help you with recipes uh, in this show because I'm going to give... Uh, everybody, the method for 
creating lamb chops the way I did, and they came out super awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. So go get your tickets to Keto Fest at KetoFest.com. I got that. Oh, yeah. I've been experimenting with ways to scale up the bazoodle recipe if I'm going to serve them at Keto Fest at the VIP party. As you know, or you may not know, the, the noodles that I created, bazoodles, uh, they, I, I have to make them like one nine-inch pan full at a time just because of the way the way I do it. If you make them too big, then they'll rip when you pull them out and they don't get heated evenly. So I'm always looking for a way to scale that up. So that's what I've been doing this week, working out a way to make them in the oven. And uh, I also saw this square crepe maker machine online. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Another toy. Oh, no, this is too big of a toy for me. G- Gadget Boy is at it again. This is like a crepe manufacturing machine. <laughs> it has a big tank for the batter and a roller, a hot roller that cooks the, the crepe, and then it goes on a conveyor belt and just comes right off. And so, um, yeah, if I had $6,000 lying around, I might buy one of those, but I don't. You may dream. That's, yeah, I may dream. That's what I got. I guess uh, it's time to give away a two Keto Dudes coffee mug with Carrie's and my mug on it. Let's give away a mug. Yeah. One lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club is going to get that right now. And who is that lucky, lucky winner? That lucky, lucky winner today is Joe Tampas. Yay, Joe! Yay, Joe! J-O with no E, so I'm assuming that's a Lady Joe. Uh, It might be a Lady Joe. We know. We don't know. So anyway, enjoy your mug, Joe. Yeah. And if you want a mug, but you don't want to wait to win a mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. All right then, Carrie. Let's uh, read the, uh, what are we reading? We're reading a letter, Carl. Oh, yes. A letter. Let me read a letter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are you mocking me, Mr. Franklin? I am not. No. I actually, I actually prefer your subdued approach because I don't know people are getting a little sick of me yelling. No. 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 But at least they don't complain that you're stayed. No. No. <laughs> okay. If o- if only they knew. If only they knew. <laughs> So this is from Jason Norton, and we're pulling this from the great big public keto before and after thread on the forum, which you can read for inspiration at success.2keto.com. So Jason says, and he posted pictures, and they're just amazing. He says, so back in 2011, I started working in a day program and enjoyed my job, but was not physically active like I was when I worked in factories or in construction. Also, there was a gas station right next door where I'd go daily and buy huge Mountain Dew fountain drinks and donuts. When I got to 198 pounds, I told myself, this is the most I've ever weighed. I feel like crap. I'm embarrassed about the way I look, and I don't want to get to 200 pounds. My 40th birthday was coming up in August 2014, and I started working out for an hour a day, five days a week. I also started eating one meal a day. OMAD. OMAD. What I was eating was always the same things. I would eat 16 ounces of 85% lean hamburger and a bag of salad pretty much every day. Some days I would have five brats with no bun instead of the hamburger, but that was about it. I didn't know it at the time, but the way I was eating was putting my body into a state of ketosis. When I turned 40, I weighed 168 pounds 
and much of that was muscle. So 30 pounds. Go, Jason. Yeah. Fast forward to 2016, when I was working at my present job in a Minneapolis high school in special education. I was looking on YouTube for some different workouts and came upon this guy, Jason Whitrock, who was talking about this thing called ketosis. Then I found Thomas DeLauer and Dr. Berg, and it snowballed from there. At this point, I started counting my macros and learned all about the additional health benefits a keto lifestyle has for both your body and your mind. Now in February 2019, I am seven months from being in the best shape of my life at 45. I'm excited about my body and mind experience using the keto lifestyle and want to share this life-altering experience with others. Thank you for joining me on this journey, Jason. That's awesome, Jason. So cool. Awesome, awesome job. Yes. Great job. And this is the kind of thing that we need to share in this big thread. I mean, if you're if you want to show somebody the results of of the ketogenic diet and not just like anecdotes, these are real people who've really done this and lost hundreds of pounds collectively. There's so many great stories and before and after shots there to inspire you. It is incredibly inspiring and uh, we're very grateful for everyone who contributes to that. And we're also very grateful for all the other letters that we get by various means. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, that brings us to our esteemed guest today, none other than my doctor, your friend and mine, Dr. Ken Berry. Ken Berry! Hi, Ken. Hey, dudes. How's it going? It's pretty good with us. We, what we want to know is, how is your life going? It's been kind of upended lately. Yeah, we, we've, uh, I guess some people have heard we've had quite the tragedy here in, in Tennessee. Um, I got a knock at the door about 5.30 in the morning as I was getting up to make coffee. A neighbor who was a member of the volunteer fire department, I guess, uh, said that the, the city of Camden was trying to get in touch with me. I called them and they said that the Berry Clinic was on fire. And so I threw on some clothes and got there as quickly as I could to find the clinic that I had built from the ground up, uh, completely engulfed, smoke billowing out. Mm. And so over the next several hours, uh, pretty much every, uh, the, the Camden City Fire Department and all the volunteer fire departments from surrounding little towns were trying to put this blaze out. And it was a, it was a doozy. It was, it was terrible. Yeah, the, the photos that were posted on Facebook were just so dramatic, and we were all very concerned, first of all, to make sure nobody got hurt, and second of all, just to make sure that you guys were safe and, and that you had a plan to rebuild and, and all that. Can I ask you just a couple questions, if you don't mind? Was yeah, no, yeah. Did they ever figure out what started the fire? No, they're still in the process of investigating it. Um, of course, the building was built in 1905, and so... Yeah. There's that. But then also, uh, Nisha and I actually live in a, a suburb of metropolitan Camden. And so people who live in Camden said that there was a quite severe lightning storm that night. Hmm. And, and so that's what the fire chief told me. And so we don't know yet if that was the cause. We don't know if it was faulty wiring. We're still waiting for the investigation to be completed in, in that regard. 
You know, I heard that the god Thor is a vegan, so maybe he was angry and hurling <laughs> hurling lightning bolts down. <laughs> maybe maybe Loki's a vegan. I don't know if Thor could be a vegan. <laughs> and and not not to make light of a horrible situation, but I remember coming to your house in air quotes metropolitan Camden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's in yes. the middle of nowhere, people. <laughs> it's quite rural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rural. And did you own or do you own the building or were you renting it? Yeah, yeah. I've owned it since 2002, 2003 and completely had, had rebuilt it. When I bought it, it was basically an empty shell. And I think there's a picture on the Barry Clinic Facebook page, if you scroll back far enough of what it looked like uh, back in the day. And so mm. completely rebuilt inside and out. And um, I told Nisha, you know, it's almost like one of my kids. And so right. I've really, I thought I was handling it okay, but I really am becoming self-aware that I really was rattled by this. And um, it hasn't been fun at all. And and then, of course, the, you know, the itemization, the right. plans to rebuild, of which we're obviously going to do, um, all the minutia of that. I don't know. I just feel... Right. overwhelmed by all of it and it's um sucks it does suck ken i th i think it's um it's easy for for people to maybe look at this and go hey it's just stuff it's just a building it you know you can replace all that it you know it's just dollars but i think what it, it sounds like what you're going through and i've had similar not fire crises but i've had similar crises involving stuff in my life as i'm sure we all have to some extent but it's what it's like the part of you that you put in it the it, it's not the thing it's the fact that you spent whatever 14 years putting this together and rebuilding it and thinking about how to make it the best it could possibly be to your patients and, yeah. and you know what i mean yeah, it, yeah literally every corner of the of the building is there because that's where I decided to put it. Every yeah. handle, every hinge, you know, everything is is where it is in that building or was in that building because of you know that's how I designed it. And so from the floor up, it, I, I I designed every single part of it. And so I could, you know, I mean, it was just it was something I had created, and now it's at least temporarily gone. Mm. And that's, that's hit me pretty hard. I didn't realize that I would be this overwhelmed with emotion and then also overwhelmed with all the support and the, yeah, both financial and otherwise from people in the low carb ketogenic community. It's yeah. just been overwhelming. They've been great. I've been watching it. Were there any medical records that were lost forever or do we have backups of those things? All of the medical records are on the cloud, so yeah, that's good. Good for but, you. Uh, yeah, we uh, we shot X-rays in the clinic for a number of years, and uh, some of the X-ray films are still on site, and so they've mm -hmm. all been destroyed. But it's been a few years since we shot X-rays in the clinic, and so that was just basically a a custodial procedure yeah. until the seven years had run out. So, but all the Oof. actual patient records are in the cloud. I remember being in your office uh, upstairs, which is where all the smoke was pouring out of, and seeing your, you know, the the knickknacks and things that you've collected over the years. I, it must be just uh, excruciating trying to make a list of all the stuff. Yeah, that would probably 
it be a lot harder than just walking away from it, but having to itemize things. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. We and we're waiting for the investigation to be completed before we start that process. But I'm not looking forward to that at all. Uh, just you know, not only because of the emotional ties to some of this stuff, but I, you know, you may know I have a little touch of ADD, and <laughs> this this sounds very, very, very tedious to me. Mm. And so I'm dreading the process of having to go from top to bottom, one end of the other, and write down every single thing in there, which is what you have to do. Actually, when I woke up this morning and I was lying in bed thinking about the fact that we were going to record, and and the thought that kept coming to me was stress and how stress affects people. And I thought it might be useful for people, for our listeners, to to have your thoughts on how stress can affect people and 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 on top of that if it has any effect on what we focus on all the time which is keto and and weight loss and and all of that so i just wondered you know stress must be like huge for you right now so how does it manifest physically so that's a great question and let's talk about stress and inflammation and first, let's talk about the difference between acute inflammation and chronic inflammation, and then also good stress and bad stress. And so the whole reason that we worry about too much chronic bad stress in our life is because it can raise cortisol levels, it can cause inflammation in various tissues of the body, which can lead long term to chronic disease. But we have to differentiate good stress from bad stress. And so if you're learning a new skill, if you started a new job, if you if you started a new relationship, those things are stressful. There's no doubt about that. But as far as we can tell, that's good productive stress because you're learning, you're growing, you're getting better. There, there is an end in sight. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You're not always going to be on the first date. At some point, you'll be on the second date and you'll be more comfortable with this person and the stress level will go down and hopefully will continue to go down unless it's like some relationships. Uh, but And then also with inflammation, a lot of people think any inflammation is bad, right? but that's just not the case at all. Inflammation, acute inflammation is actually the first step in the body's healing process. Right. And so when you sprain your ankle, the redness and the pain and the swelling and the heat, those are all inflammation. And so many doctors will say, oh, gosh, elevate that foot, put an ice pack on it and take some Celebrex or some ibuprofen to stop that inflammation which is actually the exact opposite of what we should do. The, the body is causing that inflammation for a reason. That's the first step in the healing cascade. And I think acute inflammation anywhere in the body. That is what the body is supposed to do, right? That is the, the body's response to trauma. With that, without that response, you cannot heal properly mm. and, and heal long-term. There, and that's why I think there's a lot of chronic pain in in the world now is because, you know, as soon as we hurt our back or we twisted that knee, instead of letting the body heal it like it's supposed to do, we put some ice on it and took some ibuprofen. And, you know, we just did all these things to try to keep the body from doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And so acute inflammation is actually a very, very good, useful thing. Right. And acute being like something that comes on immediately in response to something and then goes away after it's done. Exactly right. And so you don't want to stop those inflammatory things from happening mm -hmm. because that's part of the healing 
process. Right. But chronic inflammation, which can come along with chronic stress, like if you've got a, if you're stuck in a life situation that you hate, but you can't really do anything about, can lead to, to chronic elevated cortisol levels, chronic inflammation, uh, you know, chronic worry, cr- all these chronic things which don't seem to serve any useful physiological purpose for human beings. Yeah, and so chronic inflammation comes from pretty much what you put in your body, right? Right, yeah, and that, that can, obviously, I think the most important source of, of chronic inflammation is, is the food we put in our body. And then it can also be the liquids we drink. If we drink the, the wrong liquids too often, that can lead to, to chronic inflammation. And then also just the, the situations we put ourselves in, the relationships that we, we tolerate, uh, the, you know, the job situations that we just we, we decide to compromise on, all those things can also lead to uh, inflammation and, and um, chronic elevated cortisol and stress, chronic stress. And I think that, you know, all those things need to be addressed. But I agree with you, Carl. I think that by far the most important is the food or the food-like products that we put in our body. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me, you you talking about work stress, it just reminded me a, a, a bunch of years ago now, uh, 45 years ago, I was in a in a job that was unbelievably stressful, stressful to the point where I became ill and I had to take a medical leave because I was I got to the point where I was basically unable to function. Wow. And I I remember that my appetite leading up to for the like the three or four months where work was just it was unbelievably stressful. And my appetite was absolutely enormous like if i saw food i was inhaling it but the the second virtually that i said well actually hr came to me and said hey you got these this medical leave benefit if you need it use it Mm. and at the minute i kind of said okay and i applied for medical leave and i remember that first week that i was at home my appetite literally tanked it was like two scrambled eggs and i was like over like completely full mm. and i remember just feeling the dramatic difference between the how my response to food when i was in an overwhelmingly stressful situation versus when that all kind of just magically went away because I was no longer going to work, the difference in my appetite was extraordinary. So as part of a good, well-formulated ketogenic diet, people, don't work. That's pretty (laughs) (laughs) Or or don't work at Carrie's former job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't work there. It, It wasn't the job, it was the boss, but anyway. Ah, but you're absolutely right, Carrie. Uh, since this catastrophe has happened at the clinic, uh, and then, you know, also Misha is pregnant. Yeah. And so that's stressful, although that's a good stress. But the two together, I, I, I can tell a, an increase in my appetite, a decrease in my uh, ability to care about the quality of food. Mm. Like I, I can, I catch myself being much more likely to just reach and grab something instead of thinking, what do I need to eat right now? What should I be eating? I was um, I was working out pretty faithfully uh, since my 50th birthday in December. I'd been trying to work out and put on some muscle. And with all of the this 
stuff that's happened that's kind of went to the back burner and we're this week we're actually in san antonio with nisha's puerto rican side of the family and you may or may not know that in a puerto rican household you can just breathe and you'll ingest carbohydrates. That's right, rice and beans you know, everywhere. There, there's rice everywhere, beans everywhere, yeah. And so, you know, it's much harder for me to say no this trip than it has been in previous trips. Mm. And I think that's just from that stress response, just that, you know, freeze, flight, or fight thing that I'm kind of stuck in right now yeah. because everything's in limbo. I don't know what's going to happen with this or that or the other mm. And so I, I, I actually, I feel for people much more now who are stuck in stressful situations because it is much harder to eat properly. It's much harder to say no to the stupid crap. And it's much easier to just say, oh, what the hell? Just give me that. I'm super glad we're talking about this. And, and I think one of the things that is important to know is that when you're under this kind of stress and you're you're just not focused on like you just said ken that like you're not thinking about healthy food you're like just i need food and grabbing anything i think it's really important that to recognize that when you're in that kind of level and stress that's also when you're the least self-aware yeah. And so it's a double whammy. Not only are you stressed and reaching for things, but you're not, it may be that only now you're stepping back and going, oh, wow, I haven't been doing my workouts, but I hadn't really thought about it because I've been so stressed over here that I didn't even think about it. And now we've had this conversation. You're just like, oh, now I can take a step back and go, yeah, I have been reaching for food that I haven't necessarily been thinking smartly about, or I haven't done the gym workout. And I think that's super important for people to recognize when they're super stressed, not only do those habitual things have a, a habit of going sideways, but that's also the time when we're least self-aware. So we mm. don't even recognize this kind of yep. avalanche of stuff, not good stuff that stress can cause. No, you're absolutely right. And the, the lack of self-awareness is a big problem when you're under the chronic stress. And that's one of the many ways that it can lead to long-term uh, less than optimal outcomes. And so we should always be communicating with our friends and family. But I think for the ketogenic low carb community, that's that's one of the great benefits of having the huge social media friends and family mm -hmm. that we do, because you can reach out on Facebook to your, you know, someone you've never met in person and they may be going through something very similar. And so just by talking to them and, and listening to yourself talk, you're like, oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. And so I think that's a very, very powerful tool. And that's why I'm always telling people, share your story, share this, mm. you know, with, with someone, because you never know who's, whose life you could literally change or save or who might save or change your own life. So what do you tell your patients when they come to you and say, I know stress is killing me? Uh, you know, social media or not. I mean, what, what things do you yeah. tell your patients to do to try to bring down their level of stress? So I, I use this model, which um, in, the, in, the, in the heat of battle, uh, Nisha and I were in an argument, and she, she kind of summed up how I deal with problems. 
And so I've actually started to use that as a model to help people because some people uh. are very good at this and some people are not. Mm. Uh, usually men are better at this than women. And so I try to explain this to women and say, this is, this is maybe how your husband deals with things. That's why he's in bed asleep while you're up worrying. And so what I tell people is if you can fix something, then fix it. If you can fix it today, fix it today. If you cannot fix it today, then make a plan to fix it tomorrow. And obviously, I'm I'm using tomorrow uh, analogously in the future. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And and what I'm and it, there's just something about having a one two three plan mm. about the worst of situations that helps you let it go a little bit. It helps you sleep. Right. It helps you not just worry about it constantly. And uh, it tends to be more women than men, but obviously this is not 100%. Uh, men can do that. They, if they can fix it, they fix it. If they can't fix it, they'll be like, okay, I, tomorrow I'm going to do this, this, and this, and that's it. Okay, good. Now I'm going to bed. And, and women, on average, seem to have a harder time with that. And so I think that helps greatly to maybe even write down the plan as detailed as you can. And that then you're like, okay, that's all I can do. I can't do any more. I've, I've got this detailed plan. And I cannot implement any single part of that now. So I just have to let it go and wait. And then the, the third step, you uh, if you literally can't do anything about it, then you've got to let it go to wherever you need to. You got to give it to whoever you need to give it to so that you can just have some peace. If you're if you truly can't change the situation at all, you just got to let it go. I think uh, decoupling it from gender is probably a smart thing because I know people that uh, are fall into one of those two camps and it's not necessarily gender based. I know some men who constantly worry about things they can't do anything about. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And they feel like they're not productive unless they're kvetching about it. You know what I mean? Unless right. they're worried yes. and just have this sense of dread like that, that is absolutely not productive. Not at all. And I think that some people get used to that dread being their prime motivator. Yeah. And I think that it, it, it works, but it's also quite unhealthy in the long term because dread and fear and, and worry are not something we're supposed to have every minute of every day. Mm. That leads to all the inflammation and the, and the chronic things that we're trying to avoid. And I think that's going to make it worse. So... When one of the things, and you, Dr. Barry, you and I have done a lot of lives and we've talked a lot about mental health because, of course, I have my, my history of bipolar. And one of the things that people ask me about a lot is, is suicide, how they can help people. And so one of the things I always say is that they need to have a plan for what they're going to do when the tsunami hits so that when the tsunami hits, they don't have to remember what to do. They don't have to think that. They don't have to to do that. They just kind of can pick up a piece of paper and go, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. What And you said just now about, you know, if you can't fix it, today make a plan so what are some of the things that that people might put on their 
when the stress tsunami hits plan? Like, what are Mm. some things that people can start thinking about now and they could actually make a plan that when a stressful thing hits, like the tragedy that happened to you and Nisha this week, you kind of get out that that living document and go, okay, I need to remember to still go to the gym or I need to remember, you know, what are some of the things that would be on a – an, a stress relief plan that people could like have in their back pocket. That's a great idea. I've never actually thought of having a, almost like a, a living will of what to do in the case of a, an extreme emergency or, or stressful situation. That's an emotional operation manual. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. That could probably be very valuable to a great many people, Carrie. You should work on that. But I would just <laughs> off the cuff, I would say, I would say, you know, uh, probably a series of statements directed towards yourself. Probably one of the most important being, remember, even during this time of stress, you're still built of what you eat. And so Hmm. you have to feed the body and the mind what it needs in order to improve the the odds of you getting through this stressful situation. And then secondly, I think staying active, staying vigorous, you know, working out, walking, whatever that means for you currently and where you're at health-wise, that's not optional. And then the third or maybe the second and, and the third would be the exercise would be sleep. No matter what happens, you're better with a full night's sleep. No matter what happens, you're worse if you don't get a full night's sleep, however you need to word that. And I think those are probably the three large stones of the foundation of returning from any tragedy or any stressful situation. And I, what would you add to that? Well, I was going to ask you, are there any particular foods or maybe supplements that would help with stress symptoms? So you can sleep. Yeah. And there there may be a few supplements that would help with that in the midst of a, a trauma or a drama or a crisis. Uh, some people notice that they sleep better when they honor all the sleep hygiene that we, you and I and, and me and Dr. Lomansky and, and others have talked about on the lives. But uh, there's, a, there's a long checklist of sleep hygiene that where your, your bedroom needs to become almost a, a sleep temple that's in, not violated by anything. And obviously that, that checklist. And then for some people, if you just can't get your brain to turn off at bedtime, hmm. you might try some melatonin. You might try some GABA, G-A-B-A. For some people, that really helps quiet that inner voice so they can get to sleep. Obviously, avoid any caffeine, nicotine, or alcohol within a few hours of going to bed because that's going to mess up the sleep. And uh, for some people, a a hot bath or a cold shower right before bedtime seem to help tremendously. There's a long list of things, but uh, I think depending on which one works best for you, they are important. I was the the thing that came immediately to my mind was maybe upping magnesium. Um, Magnesium at bedtime, I have found in the past to be very relaxing. Mm. So, and I'm sure that that stress, and I I don't, I don't know, I'm not the doctor in this outfit, but um, I'm sure that when your body is under that kind of stress, electrolytes is probably one of the things that can go a bit haywire. Yeah, you might actually have a need for a higher intake of magnesium. 
during a stressful situation and, and taking maybe increasing your bedtime dose of magnesium could help not only manage the stress, but also improve your sleep. Soaking your feet in Epsom salt seems to be a good way to get magnesium without having to worry about, you know, gut reactions to oral magnesium. Do you, do you agree? Well, I, I agree that anecdotally, it seems that it helps people greatly, either taking a, uh, a magnesium bath or just soaking your feet in Epsom salts, which is magnesium sulfate. But when you actually look to the research to see if magnesium is, is actually absorbed through the skin, it's really, really difficult hmm. to show that it is or is not. Wow. And this has actually been looked at in, in, in multiple studies. And, but, and this is, this is a, a, a point where your paradigm, how you think about things, comes into play. Because your body regulates your serum magnesium level very, very tightly. It's very important that your magnesium level be a certain thing. Mm. And so your body will actually pull magnesium from your bones or your other tissue to keep the blood level of magnesium right where it needs to be. Mm. And so basically what the researchers did is they would check your magnesium level. And then they would let you soak your feet in Epsom salt or take a, a bath. And then they would recheck your magnesium level. Which is uh, when you when you think about the big picture, that's a dumb way to check it because that's not going to show you anything at all. I see. And so <laughs> now you have to go to the kind of the anecdotal evidence of saying, okay, after you took an Epsom salt bath or soaked your feet, did you sleep better? Mm. Did you feel better? And most people say, yeah, I did. But this is not actually borne out in the research, but it's because the way they designed the research was just meaningless. It, there's no way you're going to be able to show that because obviously you're not going to spike your magnesium level to a dangerous level by taking an Epsom salt bath. Your body just wouldn't allow that. And so we currently kind of don't know if you absorb magnesium through the skin or not, but so many people anecdotally have reported benefits that you would associate with magnesium that probably we do. It'd be interesting to see if you could measure magnesium in the skin itself in the lower. That's how you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. You actually have to take skin biopsy. Skin biopsy. Before and, and after. And yeah. inside. And so nobody, nobody's really, you know, keen on that. <laughs> nobody wants to have a plug of skin pulled after they've been in the bath. Oh, heck no. And before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So <sighs> I have something that I'm super, super excited about when it comes to sleep. And this has been... It, again, this is all anecdotal, but I've been telling everybody because it's just been completely magical. And then that's for two, two or three weeks ago, I got a weighted blanket. Woo woo alert. And, and <laughs> but I got to tell you, and, and I've been, I actually got my aura ring out, which I got out of the habit of wearing, and I got my aura ring out. And I was tracking it because I wanted to see mm. if any of the claims that people make about weighted blankets had any weight, haha, at uh -huh. all. And um, <laughs> and I got to tell you that the data from my aura ring, as well as my anecdotal, like ever, how I feel, is absolutely amazing. So hmm. I am now, since I, I have a 12-pound weighted blanket, since the the night I slept with it for the first time, my, I sleep for at least two hours a night longer than I have slept for years. So I'm sleeping eight hours a night, every single night with my weighted blanket, which is magical. I feel like a 12-year-old. I got to tell you, Carrie, 
after hearing you and Daisy talk about the blanket on on the uh, Slack channel, I went and got one myself, and I love it. I I was sleeping fine before, but I I I entirely love it. It's like uh, it's like a hug. Hmm. It is, but not only has my the amount of sleep I've got changed dramatically, but I'm not waking up in the night. And of course, my aura is tracking this. So I've actually got all the data that supports what I'm telling you hmm. that I'm not waking up. I am sleeping eight hours straight, which is miraculous. But the other thing I noticed, I started drilling into my aura ring data, was it it measures your resting heart rate. My resting heart rate since I've been using the weighted blanket is down 10 to 20 beats a minute mm. over all the last data I had when I was sleeping without a weighted blanket. So they wow. say that weighted blankets are great for stress, that they, they're really good for anxiety. Well, my resting heart rate says, yes, that is absolutely true because 10 to 20 points is a lot. 20 to 20 yeah. beats a minute lower than it was when I didn't use one. Wow, that's excellent. And have you noticed any change in your heart rate variability? That I haven't measured. Okay, I think your aura collects that. But but, but my resting heart rate at night is dramatically lower, and consistently dramatically lower than it was before I used the blanket. Very nice. Interesting. So my my and the reason I'm so excited about this is one generally if you have trouble sleeping you might want to try a weighted blanket because sleep is so important but also if you are in a highly stressful situation you may also find that you do get this um benefit of having much reduced anxiety which is what I and a lot of other people have found that I was super excited to find that my heart rate was actually echoing that hmm. feeling. Mm. Very nice. And so there may be actually something to the security blanket theory <laughs> as long as the the security blanket weighs 12 pounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, and that and and so for anyone that's now like, "Oh my goodness, I want to think about weighted blankets." You're the the rule the rule the suggestion is that you get a blanket that is uh, ten around ten percent of your body weight. So if you're one hundred and fifty pounds, you would look for a fifteen pound blanket. If you're twenty mm. pound, if you're two hundred pounds, you would look for a twenty pound blanket. So that's just the guidelines. Seems like a lot. Um, I have a twelve pound blanket, and uh, I'm o o well over two hundred pounds. And I, it works perfectly yeah, for me. That, that, that's so just the, the, what, the suggestion. Yeah, okay. Cool. So, Dr. Barry, what else is uh, on your mind these days? You know, if we, if we could switch away from the stressfulness of your life, obviously. Uh, well, yeah. we're very excited that, that Nisha has uh, hashtag baby Barry in the oven. <laughs> Yay, babies! <laughs> we're about 12 weeks along now and everything looks to be going perfectly. So, so we're very, very excited about that. Uh, we, and then you guys may know that, that victory belt has issued a second edition of lies. My doctor told me, right. And it has uh, four or five new chapters and full color illustrations and all these extra bells and whistles. As Pinocchio would say, it's a real book now. <laughs> so 
very happy about that. Very excited. It's available for pre-order right now, but it's going to be in physical form coming up April the 30th on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and where all books are sold. Yeah. Do we want to tell people what happened with the audio version of that? <laughs> yeah, let's tell. <laughs> right. it's, a, it's a very frustrating yet interesting story. So I did the the first version and handed it in, just as Ken said, I think we're going to wait till version two. And I think that came from your publisher, right? Yeah, you mean you you had recorded the audio for the book. For the audible version. Which I was very excited when Carl agreed to do that. And then just as he was finishing up, I I had been talking to Victory Belt, and they're like, yeah, we want to do a second edition. And I'm like, Carl, maybe, maybe we should wait. Until that comes out, because obviously it's going to be you know published, it's going to be available in all bookstores, so mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a bigger deal. But Carl, how many hours did you put in on the first edition? Oh, I don't even remember. It was quite a few. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. So we're going to do it again. So, yeah. yeah, that's the long and short yeah. of it. Do over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's a do over, and Carl's going to be reading the book, and... The plan is I'm going to fly up to New London and at some point, and then at the end of each chapter, Carl and I are just going to kind of discuss something that was in that chapter mm. or riff about something, or I'll tell a med school story or something just to kind of add extra content and extra value to the book. A med school story. That's what we need on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. You got any good med school <laughs> uh, stories you can share? Uh, well, I've got <laughs> many that I cannot share probably. <laughs> To a mixed audience, and then I have a few I could share. Yeah, we'll have to do that next time. All right. I'll tell med school stories. That's cool. Well, um, you know, we're all we're all in your corner here in terms of your rebuild. Is there a link that you can tell people to go to if they want to help? Yeah, um, somebody put together a list of, of ways that you can kind of help us to rebuild and get through this time. And it, it ranges everywhere, you know, anywhere from being a Facebook subscriber to being a, a patron on Patreon. And, and if you're broke as a joke, like Nisha and I have both been in the past, you can still kind of help us by watching YouTube videos and, and letting the ads run. And there's a, this list of like nine or 10 different things. And that that's on my Facebook page. And if you just go to Facebook and search Dr. Ken Berry, it should pop up. Okay. I'll post a link to in the show notes. Oh, thank you. And because we, we know some people cannot give fin- financially and that's a 100% fine because Nisha and I have both been in that very same boat. Sure. But there's ways to help if you want to help that doesn't, don't involve any dollars. That's excellent. Ken, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for catching up with us. It's been great talking to you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. I love you both and I'll catch you next time. All right. We love you too. Take care. Take care. I love them. Yeah. Pretty soon to be three. Yes. Baby Berry. Or rather, hashtag Baby Berry. Can't wait. All right then, Carrie. Uh, you got something to share with us now. What, 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 what's that going to be? It's, um, it's a recipe. Oh, it's a recipe. Okay. And because we just talked all about stress, Mm -hmm. I thought it would be super cool if I did something that is traditionally a big, big, big comfort thing for a lot of people. Okay. 
And so I'm going to give you my recipe for superpower porridge. Porridge. And, of course, porridge, because in England and Scotland we call oatmeal porridge. And I just can't get past calling it porridge. But if you're American, you probably know it as oatmeal. I thought porridge was a sort of a general term for a cooked cereal. The only cooked cereal I ever had growing up was oatmeal, and that was what we called porridge. But it is very varied regionally, so there may be other places. Okay. But I call everything that kind of even vaguely assimilates oatmeal porridge. Okay. So um, I got lots of different porridges on my website, but this is my new favorite. Great. And it's called Superpower Porridge because I – based it on all the things that people love about their bulletproof coffee. Yeah. So it's essentially bulletproof coffee that I've turned into a food that you eat with a spoon. But of course, because it's very porridgey or oatmeal-y, it's very, very comforting. So it's hot and comforting and it's a big steaming bowl of yum. And I thought that was a <laughs> Perfect thing after our discussion with Dr. Berry about stress. All right, lay it on us. So, and of course, it's super fast. It's super easy because we want you to be successful on keto, but we also want you to have delicious food. So this is that. This recipe will serve two people. Mm -hmm. So here we go. You're going to need three quarters of a cup or six fluid ounces of hot brewed coffee and i know most of you won't have any problem with that right you're gonna want half a cup or four fluid ounces of thick coconut milk that's the stuff that comes in a can not the stuff that comes in a carton you're gonna want a quarter of a cup or two fluid ounces of heavy cream you're gonna want one and a half ounces or 40 grams of chia seeds a quarter of a teaspoon of sea salt Mm -hmm. three tablespoons of allulose three teaspoons of vanilla extract and then one cup or eight fluid ounces of cottage cheese. Yeah. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to place the hot brewed coffee in a pan over low heat. You're going to add the thick coconut milk, the heavy cream, the chia seeds, the sea salt, and the allulose, Mm -hmm. along with the vanilla extract, and you're going to stir it very well. Then you're going to warm it over a low heat for 20 minutes, stirring often. At the end of the 20 minutes, you're going to remove it from the heat and stir in the cottage cheese, divide it into two bowls, and then eat it and love your porridge. Okay. Sounds good. And I will, of course, put the direct link to that in the show notes so you can find it easily so you don't have to take notes or remember anything that I just said other than the fact that it is fabulous. Well, I actually have a recipe too, and it's very easy. And as you know, I've been trying to eat more carnivore, less cheese, less veggies, and uh, well, no cheese actually. And uh, this is the way I did lamb chops. So I got a rack of lamb and I cut it into chops and just added salt and olive oil and put them in a vacuum sealed bag and floated them in a bucket of water with my sous vide stick. Ha! How did I know there would be a sous vide involved? Because I'm talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I floated them in there at 131 degrees Fahrenheit for an hour. And that's it. And that's enough to cook the lamb chops medium rare all the way through. 
Perfect. Then, of course, I took them out and seared them on a hot cast iron skillet over high heat for just a couple minutes per side. You don't want to do that too much, otherwise it's going to raise the internal temperature and you'll get chewy lamb chops. But, you know, they've already got oil and salt on them, so just in a dry cast iron pan that's rip-snorting hot and just a couple minutes on each side. And those babies were so good. Crispy on the outside, tender, juicy on the inside. I just can't get enough of these things. And I wish they weren't $10 a pound. <laughs> you know, it's odd. I don't remember getting an invitation to share those with you. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. Sorry. It was a kind of a um, spur of the moment thing, you know. Uh, Kelly wanted some chicken wings, so I just went to the store, got her some wings, and got me some lamb chops, and just. I made think up you a won. Lamb <laughs> <laughs> yeah. chops versus chicken wings. Lamb mm. chops win. Lamb chops win. So I guess that's a show. And if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, or something that you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure to use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, go to forum.2keto.com. You can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to our exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. We also have a Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up, kids. Keep calm and keto on. You heard him. Keep calm and keto on. All right, and we'll see you next time on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.